Hallelujah. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. If you believe that, can you say an amen? Amen. All right, good morning, everybody. Can you greet your neighbor on your left and your right? The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. All right, let's open our Bible this morning and declare the glory of the Lord before we get into other things. Let's magnify the Lord. If you're here yesterday during this, um, the Bible discussion, we talked about praising God. It's very important. Colossians chapter 1 is where we're going to declare that glory from this morning. Colossians chapter 1, to me, is one of the most important ones because it describes what Christianity is. I say it all the time. Christianity is not a religion of good works. That is not primarily. We do good works. Amen? No, say amen like you agree with me. Amen. We do good works. Amen? amen? Yes, we do. Christianity is not a religious a religion of going to church. We go to church, don't we? We do. Amen? I say amen I, like when I'm saying these things. Uh-huh. All right. <laughs> Christianity is not a religion of just about believing in God. We believe in God, don't we? Yes, we do. Many people believe in God too. What is Christianity? It's about a person. A person. And that the name of the person is who? Christ Jesus. Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. And for that reason, we like to remind ourselves once in a while of who really he is and what the Father has made him for us. No matter how good the works you do, might be, if you don't have this settled, you are not a Christian. Last time we talked about the resurrection. If you don't believe in the resurrection, you are not a Christian. Your title doesn't matter. There are bishops in churches who don't believe the resurrection. Yes, there are. You know what that means? What does it mean? They're not Christians. They're not Christians. They carry the bishop's staff. You understand? They have theological degrees. But know the simple fact? They are not Christians. They are not believers. If you do not believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it's not by force, it's not compulsory. I hope you're getting my point. It just means you're not a Christian. You can be anything you like. There are many religions in this world. You can be an atheist, you can be a Hindu, you can be a Muslim, you can be a used, that is, your own religion. <laughs> I just invented that one. Only you know your religion. You can be. <laughs> you religion. All right, just you alone. But you're not a Christian. For you to be a believer, you must believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So let's read from verse 13 and read all the way to verse 20. We all use the same version so that our voices will rhyme. If you do not have the new American standard, look into your neighbor's own. That's why he's standing or she's standing confidently, not looking around the way you are looking around. All right? So look into the person's own and you can share. All right, one, two, let's go. For he has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is also head of the body, the church, 
and is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him, and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him I say, what are things on earth or things in heaven? Amen? Amen. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus will worship you this morning. Heavenly Father, we come before your throne with our hearts open. We open our hearts for the enlightenment of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. Amen. Now, let's, share the, um, let's take our declaration of understanding before we take our seats. One, two, let's go. Now I declare. Giving me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, and being filled with the knowledge of His will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord, I am pleasing Him in all respects, I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to His word. The word is entering my heart, it's giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area, and it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. The Lord is good. Let's take our seats quickly. All right, the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. All right, um, we are going to continue what we have been studying on the grace of the Lord Jesus, which again is a continuation of what we began to look at concerning the faith foundations for the Christian walk. And what we have been explaining is the fact that knowledge is a foundation for faith. What you know allows faith to grow in you um, naturally, that is spiritually now, but naturally, easily, without much effort on your part. Your heart full of knowledge is what God works on. Faith is fundamentally what you know about truth. Not just what you know, but that which you know, which is true. Did you hear what I said? It's not just what you know, but that which you know, which is true. That is what faith is based upon. And so that's what we have been looking at. Faith foundations, we began with that, but now we are looking at the grace of the Lord Jesus. And what is the grace of the Lord Jesus? It is the power of God released onto the earth, into our lives, because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, which we believe in. Let me go over that again. Grace is God's power that's activated towards those who believe. Believe in what? The work of Jesus, the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. All that God can legally do for mankind. That's what we're talking about. That's what grace is. That what Jesus died for was to, uh, you know, to make it possible for God to legally bless us. Now, people don't realize that sin is, sin is dangerous. I'll be getting my point. It's dangerous. It's terrible. Maybe I should use that word. It's terrible. It's very terrible. It's so bad it can spoil everything. So God needs to judge sin. All right? He needs to judge sin. He must, like I was saying last time, he must judge sin. He must. He doesn't have, I don't like to seem to be limiting God, but let's say the way it is. He doesn't have a choice in that matter. Why? He's a righteous God. He cannot allow sin to thrive. He has to judge it. It has to be judged. Judged so it can be destroyed. Not punished so he can feel happy. Do you get my point? Not like God takes delight in seeing the sinner suffer. He doesn't take delight in it. He doesn't. I said it, I don't know whether it was last time or the one before then. I emphasized, I said one day I was reading my Bible and I saw so, that is, I went to Jeremiah especially, the last, let's say the last uh, one third of Jeremiah. 
is all punishment, 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 prophecies of judgment. A whole book was dedicated to the punishment of Nineveh. I hope you're getting my that's Nahum. And you know, you just look at it. Jeremy, go and read it. Curses so bad that hearing them will make you cringe. That's why people think, you know, they think about God and say, why is this your God so wicked? And then after I reasoned about it, I believe the Holy Spirit gave me an understanding. And God said simply, these are the very things I don't want to do. It's why I'm asking people to repent. Why do I paint such gory pictures of them? So it will scare you away from disobedience. Now, you know the truth? Disobedience, the consequences thereof, are worse than those things he painted. I keep on saying it again and again. You don't want to go to hell. You don't want to go to hell. Trust me, you don't want to. All those terrible things you read in the Bible, they are mild concern what it means to be sent to hell and thrown into the lake of fire. They are mild. So if God were to tell you, show you all of those things, look, he's been mild in depicting the real gory situation you are going to be in if you are eternally separated from God. But the truth is that he has to. He has to. He can just like, look, even every society, there's no decent society they allow criminals room around. They will collect you and block you up somewhere. They will. They don't have a choice. Otherwise, the society will be unlivable in. You, can't, you won't be able to live in it. So that's why God must judge sin. He has to. He doesn't have a choice. He has to. And once you sin once, that's it. You are in. I hope you're getting my point. That's just the way it works. So for him to judge sin in our lives and still save us, that's why Jesus Christ came. So Jesus took the judgment for the sins so that we can be saved. It's important we get it. He took the judgment for our sins so that we can be saved. That's the grace of Jesus Christ. Sin is so terrible. God had to take, go through such a difficult... You know, you know Jesus said at the point in time, he said... Do tell you how bad it was. Jesus said, look, wasn't afraid of anything. When he saw the cross, he went to pray. Let's just be clear, Father, that there's no other way. If there was any other way, the Father would have used it. But there was no other way. And the things depicted in Scripture, that is written you know, in words for us in Scripture, as far as I understand, they do not even clearly show what really went on. You'll have known why Jesus Christ said, if it was possible. Let's use that other method. Why his, 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 his soul cried for deliverance. Say, Father, would I say, deliver me from this hour? I hope you're getting my point. That's it. The, the sacrifice is intense. And that's why, let me say it again. When the time for judgment comes, God is not going to show any mercy. He won't. Jesus himself won't show no mercy because you don't know the cost of what you rejected. I hope you're getting my point. The cost of what people are rejecting is why he can't show mercy. It's too high. I use this illustration once in a while. I've used it a few times, not too many times. Of a man, let's assume that he has a cancer that we know is caused by heavy smoking. And then we spent all the money we have. Do you understand? I called you, hey, boy, help us now. You sold your land, sold your house. I called, please help us now. Your children didn't go to school one whole year. Why? We are gathering money. 
I asked you, please help us now. You liquidated your business, sold it. I said, this is what I could raise from it. We gathered the money because it did like 500 million naira or something, one incredible amount of money. And then we gave it. And the man went for the treatment and he's cured 100%. Then one day you see him at the mall. At where they are, say, Benson and Hedges is doing promo. You know, you're just killing yourself. There's no need. You bring out a gun, shoot him in the back, and then police will say, you're under arrest. He say, police, when I explain, you, kill, you will kill the cops. That is why God will be so just when he damns people eternally. Because then what are you looking for? I gave the solution. You rejected it. That is the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to talk about, in fact, I'm about to start saying the things I'm supposed to say later today. So let me just calm myself down. Because this grace is heavy. Last time we talked about the resurrection. Please, if you are not around, try and listen to the message. That resurrection is the, is the height of everything that God ever did. That's it. There's nothing greater than that that he ever did. And that's why the whole church is about being witnesses of his resurrection. I don't want to start preaching it now. So please go and get the message. What does resurrection mean? It means that the plan succeeded. It means your sins have been forgiven. It means you don't have to suffer any consequence for your sins. Anybody who tells that God can forgive you, but the consequences will remain, he doesn't understand resurrection. You know, he doesn't understand resurrection. He doesn't, there are statements you shouldn't make. Don't weaken anybody's faith. Look, there are statements you do not make. Don't weaken anybody's faith. If you can't handle it, just keep quiet. Like I said, don't touch that scripture. There are some things that are so hard. Just leave them. There are teachings I have heard. I can't repeat. Yes, and I, believe, I kind of believe them. But I say, my mouth not fit to come. There's one. I won't tell you that one now. In fact, funny enough, that one is tied to the resurrection. I heard the man preach it. When he explained it, I said, Oga, I agree with you, but I can't repeat it. I can't defend such a weighty. It's the kind of thing that will make you pack and say, guys, are they come? And then when Jesus teaches himself, you must eat my flesh and drink my blood. He said, Peter, you know you are the one that brought him to this ministry. We were originally disciples of John. John is calling us. But he said, John is dead. Okay, sorry. He's the person who took over the ministry. He's trying to rebuild it. You were wrong. <laughs> You are getting my point. Okay? So if you can't handle it, just leave it. That's the point I'm making. But don't stop telling people, God can forgive you, but the consequences will remain. Stop making such statements. Just leave it. Because the Bible says it's able able to save to what? The uttermost. Those that draw near to God by him. Just leave it like that. The resurrection means you have been forgiven. If you believe in the resurrection, it means you have been forgiven. You know, God does something more than reverse the sins of yesterday. That's the one that interests me. It makes it look like a deliberate, advantageous plan. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Now, this is not a perfect illustration, but it works. So your name is David. You killed Uriah. 
You corrected Bathsheba. Yeah, you know that is terrible. David did all kinds of things. He bought false witness. He committed murder. He coveted his neighbor's wife. Three, three different scriptures, commandments he was not supposed to break. He broke them. Then when God came after him, his own matter, let's not even go there, because God showed him pepper. Because his own sin, <laughs> like the sin of Adam, <laughs> was terrible. But the point I mean, when God finally finished with him, of all the sons he had, the only one God chose to replace David was the one born by Bathsheba. So at the end of the day, it looks like it's good we killed Uriah. If you did not kill Uriah now and marry Bathsheba, there will have been no heir to the throne. But please don't go and preach it outside. Though. Because God will take the judgment of David that is not finished <laughs> and put it on you. Because you are misunderstanding his forgiveness. That's what forgiveness does. It now makes that which looked bad, which was bad, look like a good plan towards success. Towards fulfilling destiny. That's one thing it does that's even more glorious than just reversing that which was wrong. I hope you're getting my point. Please don't say that God may forgive you, but you are scaring people. Just because you are not God. You know what I mean by that? You can't do it. You now make it look like he can't do it too. God no be man. Man no be God. Is that not how we say it? Resurrection. It means that the plan succeeded. It means you have been forgiven. It means I have been forgiven. It means the you know, every negative thing is said. You know, I said it then. I, I, I know I've said this before, but I just must say it again. The the solution to every crisis. Let's talk Nigeria small. We're in Nigeria. So we don't have a choice. We have to preach about Nigeria, right? All those of you that want to die for political causes, you are wasting your energy. I'm not saying you shouldn't join a party or you shouldn't vote, but don't die for it. You know why? It's not the solution. That's where I'm going. When I said, analyze Nigerian problem, I said, look, Unbelievers can analyze. It's okay. But Christians be very careful. There is no political arrangement that can bring progress to people that are not yet blessed. Let me tell you something that was surprising. Hmm? Assuming that there are one million people here, predominantly they are under judgment for certain reasons. Maybe they don't have enough salt of the earth. They don't have the critical mass of um, light and salt to handle their matter. So you go and bring the best leader in the world, the wisest person, and make it their head of, him the head of state. You want to know what will happen? The fellow will collapse and die. You know the truth? You cannot humanly bless what God has not blessed. It's impossible. That's why God actually warned. He said, look, let them gather. I will personally scatter it. He said, you will soon discover that these are a people against whom the Lord has indignation every day. Professor Chinedu Nebo, good Christian man, when he was made minister for power in Nigeria, he carried his anointing and went for confirmation of his ministerhood. What do they call it? Anyway, it's a nomination anyway. And he said he's going to cast out the demons out of the power sector. 
And all of us were excited because I knew the man was my vice chancellor. Met him, well, formally talking with him, you know, but um, our brother was currently um, at the general of Enugu State. So that day we were together. He said, ah, you know, see the VC. I said, ah, let's go now. So we entered the car, drove to the VC's house. He had a letter from him from Abuja. So we went and discussed with him and he talked very nicely. Real Christian man. He talked about standing for the testimony of Jesus. When he's sitting room in there. So I knew him before that. Before then, um, when I was living in Transsekulu many years ago, when people like uh, Bobo here, they were one year, in fact, it was not even up to a year then. My wife and I would go out in the morning for sometimes to go and walk, you know, just go and exercise. We always used to run into him. Every day we went out, we would run into him. And he always walked, you know, he, used to, he preaches on marriage. You will never catch him with his wife without her hand in his own. That's his law. So they're exercising. They have, their hands are joined. How they manage it, I don't know, but I used to see them do it. So later on, when I, I told one of my friends, he said, no, that's what he preaches. I said, it's a sign of agreement. So he's always holding his wife's hands. Now, it's a sign of faith. That's what I'm saying. He's a true Christian. So he went to a minister. He went to a minister of power. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Oh. <laughs> he cast out demons. For everyone he cast out, seven spirits, more wicked than the one he cast out, returned to the power sector. He will cast out those seven spirits. They come back with 49. Finally, when his tenure was ending, he said, he couldn't believe what he saw. He says, I see some people have made up their minds that nothing will work in this country. I didn't laugh at him, but I started laughing. I said, see, this is what we have been preaching. You think it's by looking for who is the head of state? People keep on saying, you know, Nigeria needs good. I said, who? Which? Do you, do you know life? You don't. Especially democracy. Democracy is one of the most useless forms of government on earth. Because every fool has a voice. People that know nothing, just go to, just read newspapers online and check the comments under. And you're like, God, please, you are merciful. You have not destroyed all these people. No, just go and start reading newspapers online and start reading the comments. You see association of what, the, what Solomon calls fools. I'm sorry to say it. Solomon calls them fools. They know nothing. They don't know what they are talking about. These people cannot even do two times two times two accurately. They think it's 222. And when you tell them, so guys, eight, they start abusing you. That's because your political party is different from their own. Why am I talking about that? So when we think that democracy is the solution, the problem with democracy is something, even if you were to get a good leader, after four years, we vote him out. You know why? He's good. You say, ah, why would we vote as a good person? Because the results of good policies may not show up in four years. And because what we call good is somebody who shares that food. Now, please, oh God, I will stay on politics for a while. Don't laugh at politics. Don't insult. Don't they say that, uh, what they call it, Ziamala democracy, they used to at that time. There was one name he used. I think it was Amala. Yes. Please, don't laugh at the politicians. Our current head of state, we don't know the year we are saying this. So number, okay, sorry, I don't know. One head of state in Nigeria. <laughs> Civilian. Three years before election, he shared out one million bags of rice in a particular part of the country with his face on the bag. 
If you have not been ready, new okay has come again. He has come again. He has come. Once we say something, the guy almost jumped out of his skin. Like, is it doable? It was done. Yeah, one million is five kg bags. One million bags. One million bags to introduce, according to you, it's not, it's not me, it's my friends, to introduce the people, the friend to these people. And it worked. Two years later, when posters came up with his face, it's the same face that was in the bag of rice. So they said, that means we will see rice to eat. And of course, last month, they shared rice. You saw it. Now, when you have people like that, and their votes will count one by one, you now come out and say, I know they give shishi. Go and win, let me see you. Democracy is extremely useless. I don't know whether I get my point. You see, one man said something. Look, you see where I'm going. One man said, it was, he did a video. He said, will you f- fly a plane where they vote for who the pilot will be? Somebody, come, somebody now comes and says that, uh, um, all right, um, I'm going to make all of you sit in business class. You guys want to see show when you are going, I'm going to fly low over the ocean. You know what will happen? They will vote for him. So I'm just telling you something here. Eh? Don't think that you can magically change a nation, especially in democracy. It's just not doable. Not because you don't want... See, I know the right principles, like you do. But sometimes I look at people and I say, hey, you can be there. I'm busy. The politician that goes out to share rice, you know one of the reasons why they do? Because most people that vote in a country like ours, they can't do two plus two plus two. I've heard them talk before. So they are only... Now, where I'm going is this. Okay, there's a particular state in Nigeria. It's near my state. Let me not mention that's where I come from by my natural you know, descent and all of that. One governor entered power. You know what he did? He said this state is going to be very good. His plan was to put Wi-Fi everywhere. People were looking at him like this. He said the teachers need to be retrained. They were looking at him like this. So all teachers in schools, primary and secondary schools, you go for recertification and all of that. And they look the guy like this. Then, that Malagai, I don't want to say it. Next election, that one went house to house sharing oil and rice and stuff like that. The people killed up. Now listen, the sitting governor had the most powerful political network around him. Yet, they voted him out. For the simple reason that he wants to put Wi-Fi everywhere. He's making teachers go for recertification. He's making people do things properly. And they're like, what? He has a PhD. So in trying to make the state look like... uh, (laughs) The people went... And voted, let me explain, when his opponent entered power, he was the only person from his party. Every other House of Assembly member was from the other party. To tell you how powerful that man, where the incumbent, how powerful his party was. Those of you who know police, you know the story. Yet, he, when I heard how he won, he spoke their language. 
One of my friends used to be in that, in that I, I was also there that time, but I didn't remember him. He said the guy, he said, nah, nah, Agbiro. And when he entered power, we saw how Agbiro-ish, he did his things. But in a free and fair election, he won, displaced the m- most powerful political network around there because he went to ha- house to house, talking to the people, the language they understood. I'm sorry to say, he gave them the language of fools. It's democracy. They won. So if you are sitting down there with your ideals because you went to school and you want people who didn't go to vote for you, please, for your information, I'm on your side, though. <laughs> so let's just get it clear. Don't think that uh, I'm against you. I'm just showing you one reality that you probably overlook. And, you under, you, you, and then those who really want to you know, win power, you can be abusing them from now till tomorrow. They know that as long as it's democracy, I can't be using my PhD to talk to these people. Which is the reason why, I, you, you will see the main thing I was saying earlier. I'll get back to it. So when I see people talk, I'll just be laughing. I said, the people we are talking to, they don't want the change they claim. They don't want it. They're only complaining because they are not getting enough food. They're not the ones oppressing. The average person in this our nation today, they like things the way they are, if only they will be the ones controlling them. They want to park anywhere they like. They want to see red light, put on their siren and blow past it. Meanwhile, they are not going, there's no emergency. Have you not seen it? Who breaks the rules the most? The security people. Once you have an ID card, rules don't apply to you anymore. And anybody you give power to, you see them. Those are um, catch people who are driving wrongly. They will never catch buses who break it every day. But let your car just look fine. You are a candidate. You give power. Now, so in front of my mom, we are talking like this. He said, Banky, then what, what is the solution? Because he said, he said, from what you are saying, everything is hopeless. I said, yes. You didn't know before. No, we should understand it. It's hopeless. You deal with people that look. No, let me not sit on this. Why am I saying all of these things? Hmm? So that you carry your hope away from where you have dumped it. If you think uh, you are planning for the next four years, how to strategize and get a good leader into place? As long as you don't get good followers to follow the leader, I want to ask you a simple question: Was Moses a bad leader? Those who he took out of Egypt, did they enter the Promised Land? Was it Moses' fault? Look, your brethren, okay, your fellow countrymen don't want to enter the promised land. Because entering the promised land involves fighting giants. It involves not having the change of clothes for some time. It involves eating only manna. When you could have imported garlic and onions from Egypt. And if you don't eat manna alone, you can't face giants. Manna was specially formulated for your victory. Yet you present it to people, they reject it. He said, our souls despise this food. That was the key to their victory. So if you've talked politics with me before, that, what I've shown now is the foundation for the things I say. I say, you cannot force, Moses cannot force a generation into the promised land. No matter how good the leader Moses is. So I tell Christians, 
I will not, okay, I will not mention names. That's why, that, that our senior brother, the prophet, when he left prophesying, and started doing Save Nigeria, and started marching on the streets, and started seeing that he's the next president, I saw God. Don't go and disgrace yourself. Because when you become president, your ministry will have no credibility anymore. We won't believe in you. Because you think you will not do better than the people that came before you. Just like Professor Chinedu Nebo left power sector without a testimony. A man that we know is a man of integrity. I heard a man insulting one, of, one guy I know. When he finished insulting this man, I looked at him like, do you know what happened? Hey, he has been compromised. He has been compromised. I said, no, he hasn't been compromised. Get away. And the man left. He said, no, too many demons. I cast one out. And I didn't use this word. I'm the one adding the words now. Seven returns. I kick out the seven. They come in 49. So after a while, I could left the 49 because if I cast out this 49... <laughs> You know, when our brother started doing, running up and down the streets, I said, oh God, you, don't, you don't get it. The prophetic word is more effective than this one you are doing. Because what you need is it now. Back to my message. So I began by saying that Christians, you can join politics, you can campaign, but don't hope in it. Don't kill yourself for it. It's an exercise fundamentally in futility. When the time is ripe, it might work. All right? But for the time to be ripe, now this is what Christians are supposed to do. You must preach the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, you know, you say, ah, what has that got to do with politics? That is the point. You're not being able to connect it. It's unbelief. To the Greek, is foolishness. You are behaving like a Greek man. For those who believe, that's the source of life. For those who believe, it's salvation. So when people start telling you that, well, this one, what has that got to do with national development? You say, I don't know. But that is the solution. How would it translate to this? Listen, blessings are first spiritual. You must understand them. Understand that. Blessings are not first of all about uh, how did we arrange this place. What should Christians do? Put your energy into preaching the gospel. What should Christians do? Put your money into advancing the cost of the gospel. Listen, if you donate more money to a political party than you donated to the preaching of the gospel, you are an unbeliever. You don't believe anything. You have put your hope, you have put your hopes on, and it will always be disappointed. See, I was talking about resurrection, all right? What I wanted to emphasize when I brought up the issue of resurrection in this context again is that that resurrection is what liberates now. There are two tenses to use. It's what liberated, let me start with that, everyone that's under a curse. The preaching of resurrection and believing in the resurrection is what liberates everyone that hears the gospel. It is what liberates. These days, you know, the other day they forwarded a, 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 you know, people forward videos. Somebody sent me a, a link. What one pastor in Abuja was saying. 
I just shook my head. I said, these pastors, better keep quiet before God shuts you up. When I say people, sometimes I say, get these politics off your pulpit. Get these politics off your pulpit. When you go to Jordan, that's not what you need. You sit down there, and your only job is to criticize government. I said it before. This government goes, you will criticize the next one. You don't have a choice. You will continue. Pastors leave the preaching of the gospel to... There's one pastor I saw the other day. Also in Abuja. These Abuja pastors are fantastic. And, you know, the painful part is that they command large congregations, but they can't tell the congregations the truth. Maybe because they don't know the truth. I said it then. I'm saying it again. You cannot desecrate the pulpit by using it to endorse any candidate. It is wrong. It is very, very, very wrong. You don't even know the heart of man. You don't know the exact plan of God. Preach righteousness and live. When I see the way they go about it, I just, it pains my heart. I said, you don't understand. You are watering down the solution to the problems of a people. No matter how foolish it sounds, the solution remains what? The preaching of the gospel. The preaching of the gospel. That is the solution. And don't be tempted. The temptations will come. Please, I need to emphasize. The temptation will come. People, you see, sometimes, the, I, I, one day I saw um, this, this uh, political forever presidential candidate, a Luther specialist. What's his name? So, so, uh, what's his first name again? Anyway, you know him, sure. Now, in case you don't know, now this is not a secret. It's something we all know. He's a troublemaker. He prides himself in making trouble. He has been a troublemaker since he was in university. All right? One day he got up, he said, what we need is what? Revolution now. Okay, fine. DSS went and arrested him with the shield, all right? And then... They put him on trial. I don't know where the trial is till now, all right? But the idea is that, look, stop saying things that you're not supposed to say. Okay? Fine. Now, just let's talk about revolution for a moment. So one of my friends brought up the matter of revolution. You're that, no, about kicking off uh, out a uh, bad government. And I said, when revolution, I'm adding word revolution now. When revolution occurred in Russia, do you know what they got was far worse than what they revo- re- 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 Revolted. I was looking for that English word. Revolted against. I was going to say they, they revolved against. <laughs> what they got was flowers. They got Lenin. Then they got Stalin. Now go and read the story of the number of Russians that died under Stalin. Joseph Stalin. His name is now next to that of Adolf Hitler in infamy in that area. Yet it came because of revolution. So one day, this is our revolution now man. He took the message of a particular uh, a reverend father, a preacher. And I think he commented on it, I think it was on Facebook or somewhere. And he said, These are the, he said, this is the kind of message I want to be hearing from the pulpits in Nigeria now. And I said, for me, it's a sign that that message is bad. I don't even have to hear it. That is endorsed. I hope you get my point. By a man like this. Is for me a sign. I'm not saying he's an evil man. Alright? 
I'm just saying that he's not a gospel man. So when the message is making sense to him, it's a sign that it has lost his foolishness. And once it loses its foolishness, it's losing the power of God in it. I hope you get my point. The more your message makes sense to the world, the less the power of God is contained therein. Something, like we're preaching on Tuesday, is a sign for us. Is a sign for us. They will look at something. What is the secret of your strength? Because he didn't look strong, neither did he have a tent done, black belt in karate or jiu-jitsu or kung fu. He didn't have. So they were wondering, what is the secret of your strength? And that's what the gospel is. The gospel is foolishness if you have not believed. Once you believe, the gospel is the power of God. I hope you're getting my point. Once you believe, it becomes what? The power of God. That is why as a preacher, you have to resist the temptation to come to church and offer any other thing apart from the gospel. The anger of pastors does not work the righteousness of God. We have to preach the resurrection of Jesus. It's the hope. See this Africa, Africa continent. Eh? <laughs> I will say it again. We get past normal problem fundamentally. Our problem fundamentally is not average. Very soon, God blessing the thought. I'm going to start a series of teaching that I said I will on them. Um, the power for prosperity, or something like it, something like that. All right, I will not promise I'll start next time because I don't know. That's that was the plan I had, but let's see how far I'll go with this today. If I finish this today, next time we'll start it. And please, I want you to follow the series. One of the things I will try to do along the line is to show you how Africans fundamentally have a serious problem more than normal. Read my little book. Someone is controlling you. People are controlled. Now, when I say people, now I don't mean many persons. I mean a people. You know, yeah, I'm using people now as a, a, a noun, like a nation, all right? A tribe, you know, a community. You can get to a place, the people are controlled. Controlled by a particular spirit that the only outcome of their lives will be poverty. Let them work from now to tomorrow. They can never prosper. And when you look closely, you will see how you know, the Bible says, from Adam, death reigned. Except through one man, death, how did he say it again? Sin came into the world, and death as a result of sin, and death reigned because all men sinned. So you will see the reign of poverty. You will see what causes it. You will see how that spirit gave them a moral situation where God has no choice but to continually reinstate and reinforce the decree of poverty in their lives. So you see a people that against whom God has indignation every day. And when I see the way Africans behave, you know, a lot of African countries, because we are streaming this, I don't want to seem to be insulting anybody, all right? You know, Nigeria, when you call Nigeria giant of Africa, Please don't go around saying, what kind of giant are we? We are giants. You can call us names, but in this African continent, I was giving statistics the other day. 
that most of the phone lines in the whole of Africa, plus Tunisia, Morocco, Egypt, counted, plus South Africa. Nigeria has more than half of all the phone lines on the continent. I was surprised when I found out. And about 30% of all the internet traffic in the whole of the continent takes place in Nigeria. Now, you know South Africa went ahead of us into all those things. When Jan began March, all the Lilliputians that have been <laughs> running for a long time, you overtake them. So, when they're talking about giants, when they call Nigeria Jan, please, don't laugh about it. It's, it's reality. In population, we plenty pass everybody. You count the number of wealthy people. South Africa may struggle with us when it comes to maybe those who are in the billionaire category. But beyond that, the millionaire category, Come, I just give them an Ambra state alone. <laughs> Let them be fighting with an Ambra state. <laughs> I never go Delta, I never go Lagos. <laughs> Don't try this, our, these guys in this country. Okay? Now, why am I telling you that? These giants of Africa also export missionaries to a lot of African countries. I mean, we do. Now, what is surprising many people they don't, that you don't realize is that you've heard this about Nigerian men everywhere they go. They, they collect the women in other So, most of the xenophobia is jealousy. It's not. Uh... Now, please, I'll get to my message in a moment. Let me just give you a small gist, all right? Part of the reason eh, is that, I'm sorry to say, we generally have a far better marriage culture than most Africans. Is the reason. The woman actually expects that this guy will marry me. Take care of me and my children. What many of his of her brothers don't do. There's one particular country, please. I mean no insult. I won't mention your name, but one of our brothers came from there. I mean Nigerian guy. Okay? One day was gisting. My one of our sisters. Say that country is where you don't ask a woman who's the father of this child. It's an insult. Most of them don't know. So when a Nigerian man comes in some of those places, eh, what happens is that ah, it's a picture of stability. Because where he comes from, the men actually marry. And they, they are, now, of course, not all of us now. You know, we have some mad human beings in every society. So we also have. But I'm talking about the typical picture. All right? Now, it's a culture thing I'm tend to tell you. One of the reasons why people just remain poor. This, this part of it. So you find out that Sometimes we send missionaries, and I know one, and I've heard the stories. And when they arrive there, the fellow African people, how they will make them of money is all they are looking at. You know the way we, we see America, and we're looking for how to scam him of his money. Tell him we have one central bank in eastern Nigeria that we want to sell. <laughs> it's, the same, it's the same way, my friend said that when you get there, they look at you as if a rich man has come. In fact, the day my wife and I went to Ghana then, I was having an argument with the, the manager of the hotel where we were staying at Cape Coast. She, the statement slipped out of her mouth. I was arguing that, look, come on, I think first they insisted we had to pay in U.S. dollars. Okay? I argued over that. The amount we were paying, I was angry for certain reasons. You know, she said, ah, you guys are Nigerians now. Like, what's all this talk? Are you not in Nigeria? Wait, when she and I were having that uh, 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 discussion, I was in her office. So, because I'm a Nigerian, 
That's why you must bill me like this, and I must pay in U.S. dollars. She was like, ah, bros, you're in Nigeria. I, don't, I shouldn't be hearing this kind of talk from him. Come on, don't disgrace yourself. <laughs> Seriously. Oh, I didn't leave the office until I collected the correct price. Oh. She basically said, I'm a Nigerian. This is how we are. <laughs> she said, I'm a Nigerian. The Lord is good. What I'm saying all of this is that when you see the attitude, a missionary comes, what you want to collect from is his money. These are some of the things that keep us in poverty. You see, it's all over the place. When I say that the African fundamentally has a problem, it is not a joke. And I say all the time that God had to make me an African so I can preach it, hoping that these people will believe. Because if a white man says that, even YouTube will take down his video. Facebook will cancel his account. It's racism. But God said, not only will you be an African, you will be a Nigerian, and you'll be black more than average, so that there will be no confusion as to who's talking. God arranged it, so I can tell my brethren the truth. Fundamentally, we have a serious problem. But again, it's not the problem I'm really talking about, because, but even though I've taken a lot of time to emphasize it. The solution is what I'm trying to present. The only solution is not political. It's not. It's not how much of international relations we get involved in. It's not who we all as countries elect into power or the one that is reigning now. It's military boys toppling, you know. I just I saw a map the other day. They don't, that is, they don't topple everything on top of us. They only remain as people on our line. So on top of us now, toppling people. That's not a solution to anything. The only solution is the preaching of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because that's what actually lifts off that fundamental problem. It does. Now, when it has lifted it off, then over the next two, three generations, first, immediately you start seeing the effect in the lives of the people that believe. Then in the lives of their children, the second generation, the effect starts becoming obvious in the environment. By the third generation, you look, they are as blessed physically as any other person in the world. And then, of course, in the generation of eternity, you find out that they are more blessed. Why? Because they believe in the sacrifice and, most importantly, the resurrection of Christ Jesus. That is why as a pastor, as a preacher, you can't descend away from preaching it to start mobilizing people on the streets. Sometimes I see pastors trying to make a big deal about the church needs to be proactive. And I say, your proactivity, I have no problem with it. But what do you mean by proactive? That I should lead protests on the streets? No, I disagree. That's not the way of the body of Christ. It's not the way of the church. There's one pastor that made so much noise about it. And all the co- at the end of the day, the country in which he, and he was making so much noise. Now, please, I don't mean any insult. He sat down over us as if he knows how to do it. And we should do the very same things that he's doing. Now, the country where he did that, this is now being disintegrated. There is nowhere for him to stay. The country is now in a mess. I feel like I say, Oga, so all the arrangements you did now, what has it come to? 
Now, any, I'm not saying that can happen anywhere. But you can see that you have no hold on this thing. You cannot pretend you know how to do it. Stick with the preaching of the truth. I believe very firmly. You see, please don't forget this thing. It's foolishness. It is foolishness. When we preach like this, it will be like, how does it translate to reality? And I'll give you the answer, I don't know. That is why it is called foolishness. To the wise people of the world, it's foolishness. Bank, you are saying pastors should go to church and they should not preach politics. That's what I said. They shouldn't. Look, it's not as if we don't get involved in governance. It's not as if we don't have political opinions. It is not as if we don't vote. As a rule, I vote every time because I use that as an example for Christians that they are supposed to vote. I told you, one day, NTA came with their camera to our, our former office that I should please help persuade the people in this region to go and collect their voters' card. And I did it. I said, brethren, it's your civic duty. Go and vote. I believe in it. Those of you around last, was it last week or two weeks ago? Two weeks ago. Okay. That brother we prayed for is a current, you know, commissioner for justice and attorney general. He used to be the one to lead opening prayer here and take announcements. We'll be going to do a program. He is one driving. I'm sitting with him. We'll go there. I mean, those of you who go with me now, you know. He will be the one to take the opening prayer. At the end of the day, he'll come and take announcements. And talk. Right now, he's the attorney general of this state. So I'm not saying that we don't get... He ran for governor. Oh, so that you'll understand. And I was always praying with him. We'll sit down, we join hands, and we will pray. So I'm not saying Christians don't get involved. And you've heard me say it before. Join a political party. If you have an opportunity to run for office, please buy your forms and run for office. There are normal things we do in life. I'm just saying, not for one moment do we think that's our hope. Not for one moment. And as preachers, we never, ever get to the pulpit and turn it to a political mobilization place. Is a righteousness mobilization place. It is. Because the things of Christ are actually foolish. I'm trying to emphasize, preachers, please go out and go and preach the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is what you are supposed to preach. It is what actually liberates people. Because, like I was saying, forces control human beings. You cannot persuade people to walk away from a spiritual force over them, except a greater spiritual force that's controlling them. I hope you're getting my point. Let me just say it again, for those who have not heard it before, or who refuse to believe the first time. Two of you cannot join hands and dethrone the principality over an area. You have been dethroning the one over your village. Have you been dethroned? It doesn't work. Stop fooling yourself. That when they will pray, they will dethrone all the principalities. There's no problem. Did you not go away after some time? You know what they did? As soon as you left, they returned themselves. Do you know why? Because unless the hearts of the people are changed, those thrones are built from the hearts of people. They use the infrastructure of human hearts to build them. So I said, what are you supposed to do? Go to that village, preach the gospel, hold a crusade, plant a living church. There are many churches, but many of them are dead. Plant a fellowship there. You have money? Fine. Encourage the pastor to stay by sending him money to buy food. Sending small money for him. Then let there be a consistent preaching of the word of God in that area. 
as the word of God is being preached, the principalities are being dethroned. I hope you are getting my point. Please, it's important we understand this. I'm just saying all of this to emphasize the fact that what we need is the preaching of the truth about Jesus Christ. It is the solution to the African man's problems. Like I said the other day, after I read the story again of Rwanda, if you are listening to us for Rwanda, this is a matter of fact. When I read their story again, <laughs> I said somebody tell their current president, Paul Kagame, be careful in the closing down of churches. I understand that he probably was hurt or some bad things have been happening. And of course, there are a lot of bad things happening. Because Satan, look, you know Satan has more sense than many of us. Yeah. What am I going to say? When you are planting wheat, what does he go to do? Go and plant tears. Because he knows that the wheat is the solution. So the only thing he can do is go and plant tears. Hoping, his plan, in case you do not know, his plan is that you will see the tears, you will try to uproot the tears, and in that process, you destroy the wheat. The Lord who knows, say, hey, hey, leave it, leave it. Leave them the day of judgment. I will know how to separate them. And that's why I keep on repeating that warning for that man to please. In trying to remove false churches and false prophets, be careful lest you remove the genuine ones. Because after reading the history of the people around that area, of the peoples, all right, different ones, I realized that the problem hasn't been solved. The only solution is the preaching of Christ Jesus. In fact, if you are Rwandan, you are Burundian, you need to even hear it. Maybe you need to be more than those of us in Nigeria. And definitely more than those in Kenya too. You need to hear it. If you love your country, please forget um, United Nations, uh, all those other agencies. Whatever they can do, let them do. But please, your emphasis, you, you start praying. Lord, send laborers into our harvest field. You know, people like to go abroad for ministry. Those are the kind of places God opens the door for me. I will go and set up an extension of Kingdom World Ministries. And post pastor came with it there. Let him just be teaching them the word. Morning, just, just be preaching. Just be preaching. Just come up, just be preaching. Just be preaching. Morning, afternoon, night. That is minimum of four days a week. There must be preaching meetings. Then the other three days will be prayer meetings. Just be teaching the word. Just be teaching the word. Just sit in the capital city. Sit down there. And then from there, let people be coming and taking it to the rural areas. And be, that's what Paul used to do. I, I, I learned that one some time ago. He was sitting in the capital city there. Why? Because God said, no, the rural area is for the locals. You sit down there and disciple as many of them as possible. Gather them every quarter to come from different areas. Teach them the word. Lay hands on them. Let them go again. People, that is the only solution. No? Christians of, no, pastors will now fall for, no, they get, of course, the world will approve you. Once you come to church and you're telling them 17 keys to effective business success, the church will go full. Okay, now. The church will be full. People will come. They like it. You are making sense. It's called the wisdom of the world. The world is attracted to its own wisdom. What am I saying again this morning? Pastors, please don't fall for it. Don't accidentally fall for it. Stick with preaching the simple truth about the death 
and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and what it means in the lives of the people. That is what brings curses. More than any other continent, in my own opinion, maybe because I'm an African, that's what Africa needs. Black Africa, that's what they need. If we teach it effectively to them, we'll see the result of it. The Lord is good. Went to all of that, trying to emphasize the issue of resurrection again. Then let's get into today's message. Let's see how much of it we can do. If we finish it, we'll go to the next series, beginning from next time. But if we don't, we'll finish it next time. Today I want to explain something. Continuation, of course, of the resurrection story. Let us read from the book of... Um, now, there are two portions we want to read. Let's start from Psalm 144. Psalm number 144. There's a particular prayer there, which I love. I shared once in a while. I may have shared it with you before. If you and I communicate on WhatsApp or you belong to a group, I mean, let me read from verse 9 to verse 15. Now, this is the beginning of my message for today. What I said up to now is just um, emphasizing and reiterating some things we discussed last time. He said, I will sing a new song to you, O God. Upon a harp of ten strings, I will sing praises to you. Who gives salvation to kings? Who rescues David, his servant, from the evil sword? Rescue me and deliver me out of the hand of aliens. Whose mouth speaks deceit? And whose right hand is the right hand of falsehood? Now, please notice this prayer. Let our sons in their youth be as grown-up plants, and our daughters as corner pillars fashioned for a palace. Let me just read from New Living Translation, please. I want to reread that. Let me use New Living. May our sons flourish in their youth like well-nurtured plants. May I, please, I am not praying. Thank you. Hmm? May our daughters be like graceful pillars carved to beautify a palace. May our barns be filled with crops of every kind. May the flocks in our fields multiply by the thousands, even tens of thousands. And may our oxen be loaded down with produce. May there be no enemy breaking through our walls, nor going into captivity. That is, our going into captivity. Let there be nothing like that. Nor cries of alarm in our town squares. Yes, joyful are those who live like this. Joyful indeed are those whose God is the Lord. Now, please notice this. Joyful indeed are those whose God is the Lord. Now, when I looked at this prayer, something you know, connected with me. When I was thinking about what I want to preach today, I remembered this. And... There's another, also, if you read them, that Deuteronomy chapter 33, towards the end, you also find something similar to this. Let me read this other one, or let us read this other one, and then I'll connect the two. John chapter 10, in verse 7, it says, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved. And we go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life. That is my sheep. I came that they may have life and that they may have life and have it abundantly. 
I came, he said, that they may have life and that they may have it abundantly. I want to read them just to amplify that a bit from the Amplified Bible. He said, I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. I came that they may have it to the full till it overflows. The word I want us to understand here is the word abundant life. Now, please notice, he didn't say he came to preserve their lives. That's not what he came to do. He came to do what? Give a kind of life they did not have before. I hope you're getting my point. That's what the Lord Jesus Christ came to do. He came to give a kind of life that the people did not have before. Now, why did I read that Psalm 144? Now, there's something about the Bible. In fact, I heard this kind of expression from Derek Prince. That what the Bible does is to give us, um, let me put it, okay, now Paul said, Paul said it this way. Paul said, this is where it recorded for our learning. I hope you're getting my point. So you read through the scriptures, you get the attitude of God about different things. I hope you're getting my point. Yeah, just reading through the Bible, you get the attitude of God concerning different things. But the way the reference explains something is that these days, a lot of people lie in the name of the Lord, or they lie before the Lord. And they don't drop down dead. But Ananias and Sapphira did that, and they died. So the reference says that, look, the reason why they don't drop down dead is because God really doesn't like killing everybody. But he has made this point through Ananias and Sapphira. Now, for other people, eventually you will also die. But it may not be immediate. But by reading the story of Ananias and Sapphira, you have seen the attitude of God towards what those people did. And if you are planning to do that, just know you are putting yourself in jeopardy. It doesn't mean he's softer now. No, he's not softer. But he has made his point. That in case you were doubting, see the way my mind is. If you continue like that, you are a living, dead person. I hope you're getting my point. That just gave an illustration. So you read through the scriptures, you will see something that God actually likes people to be satisfied in life with things. He likes people to live in health. I hope you're getting my point. His plan from the beginning is that Adam, Eve, they will multiply. Listen to this. They will never have any problem in the garden. And from the garden, now, they were not supposed to live in the garden forever. You know that. Is that how do you know? Is it not written in the Bible? Is it written there? At the beginning, what did you say? Be fruitful, multiply, do what? Fill the earth. It didn't say fill the garden. You're supposed to fill the earth. The garden was just the first house he, let's just use it in quotes, built for Adam and Eve to stay in and learn things, interact with the angelic beings. They will teach them. Then from there, they will have their children, and then they begin to conquer the rest of the earth. So the commandment from the beginning has always been fill the earth. All right? So the plan he had was that they would take a piece of the garden wherever they will go. I don't mean transplantation now. What I mean is that the attitude, the, um, which one am I looking for? The technology, can, I, can we use that? Things that they had learned in the garden, they will now take it to the rest. So create gardens everywhere they go. So the first garden he planted, eastward in Eden. The next garden they will plant, northward in Africa. 
The next one they will plant eastward or westward in Europe. Then they will plant in South America. They will now be planting the rest of the gardens based on what you would have taught them in the original garden. That's just the plan it was. Now, they would not have ever discovered what it meant for somebody to be sick. They would never have found out. How long would they have lived? Would they have ever died? <laughs> I don't want to get into that. Would they have lived forever on the earth, that original earth? Well, let's not get into the technicalities of that, but um, a time will have come. Each person will have eaten of the tree of life and lived forever. So we know from scriptures that God always planned for them to be fruitful. Always planned for them to be healthy. Always planned for them to have everything that they needed. Always planned for them to have more. You know, having just enough has never been the plan of God. Because if you have just enough, how do you bless the person beside you? I hope you are getting my point. All right? Now, that's stage one. Next stage, problems now came. How did they come? By sin. Sin entered, and all the problems we are having now came as a result of sin. Now, to reverse the problem, at least not like I was saying, you've sinned. God will bless Israel. He will tell Abraham, follow me and I will bless you. He will tell Israel, these are the commandments that I'm giving you. If you follow these commandments, you will be blessed in the land that I'm giving you. Your children will be blessed. Your cross will be blessed. Your animals will be blessed. You should say there will be none barren or cast their young in the midst of you. He will tell them things like that. Your, your fields will be fruitful. You won't even have natural disasters. So all those problems you saw in Egypt, you won't see any of them here. That has always been the mind of God, and it never changed. Now, let me quickly add this one. Anytime you are conquering territories, there will be problems. What, what am I going to say? Life is war. Why is it war? Because you have to conquer. I hope you're getting my point. If God, listen, listen. One thing about, I said earlier, God designed, his plan is to share. So when you believe the gospel, God says through you, others must believe also. Otherwise, it's the only you I came to bless. I hope you're getting my point. You're not the only one. So there must be a spread of the gospel. And that's why Jesus said, the gates of hell, finish it for me, will not prevail against it. Now, what does that tell you? It means that the gates, gates is protective, okay? Hell will try to defend itself against the advancement of the gospel. So basically, there will always be a conflict between the church advancing and the gates of hell trying to prevent the advance of the church. That conflict is always there. Now, being in the conflict zone, you know what about conflict zone? Yeah, the war front, where the advancement of the gospel is and the defense of the gates of hell, where Satan has held people in bondage, that boundary is always hot. It's always hot. That is the place where Uriah died. Go and read your Bible. It is the place where Uriah died, where the battle is fiercest. That's what David told Joab to do. So there are fierce points in the gospel. That is on the earth, when it comes to the advancement of the gospel. Now, even from the fiercest point, you, you go back a bit. There is war everywhere. Now, because there is war, now please listen to what I want to say. Because there is war, part of our duties as believers in Christ is warfare, and we are being trained as what? Soldiers. So Paul kept on writing to Timothy. 
Even Jesus will warn about it. Paul will tell Timothy, no soldier serves at his own. That is, he saw it as a matter of warfare. People like apostles, you understand? Those apostles, Paul and co, they were at the edgy edge. Is that English good? The truth said no. They are the, okay, let's use the proper word. They are the cutting edge of the advancement. They are the edge. So that is why they suffer much casualty. Now, not because of the weakness of the power of their God. I don't want to go into the technology behind that one. Their God sometimes leaves them there deliberately. Sometimes he does that deliberately, but just bear it in mind. Now, as a soldier, as a warrior, advancing the gospel, we are trained to do what? Endure hardship. Hardship is not the original plan. I hope you're getting my point. No, it's not. It's not. It has never been. That's why we are told to do what? Endure it. You only endure things that are supposed to be transient. Do you follow my point? Hardship is transient. It's supposed to be endured. But you see, as, so, as Christians, we understand that we are redeemers. As redeemers for the peoples on the, on the earth, we must be soldiers that can endure hardship. And that is why people like me preach all the time. What people like me preach all the time? So that Christians don't put their blessings ahead of their responsibilities. Did you hear what I said? As a Christian, don't put your blessings ahead. Don't prioritize them above your responsibilities. Life is full of responsibilities. You can decide to enjoy yourself. If I, I was talking to my wife the other day. We're talking about um, friends and ministers that were stayed with in the past. I said some of these men, you know why you don't marry? I'm not saying marriage, in fact, I was telling her that there's a particular man, I said they should leave him. Marriage is not compulsory. I said, because, you know, the man likes to go out, say, preach out, and come out anytime he likes. I don't know whether you're getting my point. <laughs> you know, some men, they are like that, too. He's a preacher, so he doesn't go to bar. He can go to church and go and pray. And when he finishes prayer, he just stay there. Okay? Some men, no, they are only that are bad, they go. When they, they, they won't come back home. If you are like that, don't marry, because... You know, that, they don't like to marry. You know, the, the problem is that, you know, when you marry, your wife is waiting. So, I remember those days, as soon as, you know, you finish work, you did go house. Why? You left your wife there. Do you follow my point? Now, where I'm going is, I see there's what you want to enjoy, but there's a responsibility that's been placed upon you. Then when you have children, the responsibility also increases. You know, you, you like your house to be like, one, you know, there are people like that. I want my, my house, you know, you arrange your house well. Then you now go and put nice little, is it knickknacks, Americans call them, and they are made of porcelain. You put at the edge of the table <laughs> in your sitting room because it looks nice. It makes the place look like the Garden of Eden. Okay. Just pray that that child will not start walking until he has had all the sense in the world, which you know is not going to happen. But one of the first things he discovers is that why is everybody standing straight? He stands straight and he just, there's <laughs> one video I saw the other day. Very, very funny. One small girl was watching musical. And they were dancing the musical. So in the musical, somebody jumped and grabbed a pole. Now he jumped on top of the papa, papa television on the wall and grabbed the TV. 
Now, it was not a skit or a drama. The father was actually enjoying watching his daughter dance. On videoing her. Then next thing she jumped on top of the flat screen TV. And of course, you know the rest of the story. He came crashing down. And you know what you do? You endure it. Some parents are flogging the child. God will flog you back. <laughs> you can't flog that child. Did, did nothing wrong. No, they didn't do anything wrong. That's not disobedience. That's jumping on the television. There's a world of difference. <laughs> no, I, I ask Okemute now. One day Okemute will go buy a big television, hang out for house. Now, then the child call, go learn how to play baseball. <laughs> now I carry baseball. Whap! That was the end of his last screen television. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of my friends that told me that. He brought one very nice phone. He said he didn't know his, his child played baseball. Oh, you don't know what they call baseball? Okay. In baseball, they throw ball. They throw it as hard, as fast as possible. So the boy took the father's phone, wound it, wound it, and stoned the wall. Everybody turned. See that boy over there? Standing behind the camera. <laughs> when he was a little boy, he had this thing I don't understand. He would take whatever you keep downstairs, go upstairs and go and throw it from upstairs. <laughs> you know, till now, I can't understand. No, I'm not kidding. You just maybe, thank God, those who didn't have, who didn't have expensive phones like this one. But like this, my tab now. You could just see it. You would look at it. Carry, climb the steps. <laughs> when he reaches upstairs, then you throw it back to where he brought it from. As if, let me see how fast. It's feeling like Galileo. <laughs> the Lord is good. You know what you do? You endure it. You won't say because of that. This is the last child I'm having in my life. <laughs> After a few months, Madam is looking for something that's missing. Uh-huh. And they go to hospital, they confirm it's really missing. <laughs> and then, <laughs> then, then, another one has come. And that one will normally learn the wickedness from the older ones. <laughs> as soon as this guy was born, my wife resigned from working in the bank. Yeah, because somebody has to be following this destroyer. <laughs> yes. We had the little rule. I always like to teach it on to people. For certain reasons, which I will not share now, I came to a conclusion that when children are ill, their parents must always be around. Once you are ill, one person must be there. So, a child is not feeling well, that's it. I tell my wife, Sada, you are not going out, or I'm not going out. If I still remember this story, I tell once in a while, my daughter was not feeling well, so... I, my wife had to go somewhere. I had to go to work, so I waited. She said, okay, she'll quickly do all these things and come back. So I waited. I dressed up, sat in the house until my wife called and said that she's on her way back. That's when I now entered my car. So my, wife, my daughter now said, that, Daddy, are you going out? As if you're not supposed to go out. So I said, yes. Where are you going to? She said, I'm going to work. Can I come with you? No. Of course you can't come with me. He said, I don't ever go to go, I never get to go anywhere. So I said, okay, you go to school just because you're not feeling well, that's why you're at home. He said, it's only school. I said, no, you go to church also. You also go to church. 
He said, it was okay, only school and church. I said, no, no, you also go out. You will go to the, the, the park and all of that. He said, but I never get to go to work. <laughs> you just have to follow me. The point of me. <laughs> exactly, just wait. One day you go work, you go tired. This work, you go tired. <laughs> now, why am I saying all of these things? These are responsibilities. Would have been nice just my wife and I to be doing Indian movie every day. Sunita. You know, just every day, just be dancing. You know, those Indians can dance. Just be dancing, waltzing, and feeling happy. Then together, just short notice, just disappear. You want to go and see something abroad, or you want to go to Abuja, or you want to go to Calabar. Short notice. But brethren, when God gives you little, little ones, all your enjoyment is over for a long time. And by the time they finally leave, you won't want them to go. And that's just the way it works. Now, I'm using all of these dramatic stories to emphasize the fact that we put our responsibilities ahead of our blessings. In fact, real Christianity, real sonship, is to count your responsibilities as blessings. And what God does for us is to do that. He gives you a responsibility. You're supposed to see that as a blessing. He said, where the, ox, where the um, manger is empty... Let me say it again. He said, when the oxen are not there, the manger is clean. He said, but much increase comes by the strength of the oxen. So you have to just endure some things to get some blessings. I hope you're getting my point. So as Christians, this is where I'm going with all of these things. As Christians, we prioritize our responsibilities so we endure hardship. A friend of mine was, we're just, you know, we're playing. We're classmates, we're friends. So we're talking a few days ago, chatting away. And we're living in Enugu together. So it explained why he had to go abroad. Now, nothing wrong with going abroad, but see what I'm going to say. So he described some things that happened at that time. When robberies happened in his neighborhood, he was robbed in a cyber cafe. All of those things, he described all of them. And incidentally, I was in Enugu at that point in time. All right? So he said, look, these are the things he put together, and he had to leave the country. I didn't say this, but I thought it. But we're, we're there, live, live in the same you know, area, and, but we endured. Why? Because I felt, before I came, that Enugu is a place of what? Assignment. I've been sent there to go and preach the word of God. So I had to endure, the, according to the words of Paul, the peril of robbers. I remember the day God delivered me from some boys in um, somewhere off um, um, Ogui Road here. You know, it was much later I realized what was going on. It was much later. I used to drive a very nice 300E, what you call V-boot, okay? So I was supposed to pick something from a shop for, for my wife, I think, or for myself, I can't remember. So I drove in there, parked. The car was the only one on the street. At least it was quite conspicuously parked. And I just walked into the shop. I was now standing outside waiting, wearing a shirt and a tie. I think I had a jacket on. But anyway, obviously looking like that's my car. And the boys were walking. One guy, boy was walking down, and the car was driving slowly, you know, beside him. Or he was walking behind the car. And I remember very well, his gun was sticking under his shirt like this. You could see it sticking out. His shirt was on top of it. And he was walking like this, walking towards where I was. You know the truth? God was very kind. I didn't even think anything of it. I just stood there. Just before they reached my point, 
the place where I was. One of them inside the car called out. Let's assume that guy's name is um, Adam. And it's not Adam, right? Just say, Adam, Adam, Adam. So I looked like, come, 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 come. So the Adam ran towards the car, jumped inside, and they, they sped off. Now, I, I was just looking at them. I kept on waiting for what I was waiting for. Do you know what? Not that day. Much later, I replayed that thing in my mind. Whoa, wait, 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 wait. These boys were driving towards me. I was a target. But whoever God sent to deliver me went to them, cocked his own gun, and said, guys, keep off. The boys in the car saw whoever it was. I didn't see, you know. I didn't see anybody really on the street that looked fearsome. There was no police patrol, nothing. But they took off in a hurry. Do you know, it was long after I connected the dots. I said, wow, it was the deliverance of the Lord. Why am I saying all of this? It did not cross my mind for one moment to leave the city. The Bible, Paul writing, he called it in, in the peril of robbers. He talked about the things he endured. Hunger. Fastings, shipwrecks, danger of false brethren, the peril of robbers, not having enough, but none of these things move me. I hope I get my point. Neither do I count my life as dear unto myself. Why? There is a purpose for which I was called. There's an assignment I must fulfill. There's somebody I must account to. I hope I get my point. See, for Christians... That is why we lay down our blessings. However, God ordained blessings for us. I wanted to just emphasize that because the main preaching, the main teaching for today is about the abundant blessings that God prepared for us in Christ Jesus. Listen to me, I'll say clearly. He did not prepare suffering for us. He did not prepare sickness for us. He did not prepare poverty for us. Sometimes we endure those things for different reasons. We have to be trained. Sometimes God has to separate the men from the boys. He has to. He has to know those who really are following him for the right reason, not just for the food that he gives. He has to. He has to take us many times through the wilderness and say, eat only manna, nothing but manna. And manna is just enough to share for one day. It's not for you to eat and share for that day. He said you will not have manna savings. Read the Bible. Manna not to get savings. Anyway, where you keep manna, now worms. Not only do worms destroy, it breeds worms. If a part of the nutrient is worm egg. I don't know that. That's a joke. Please, please. <laughs> the point I'm making is that once you keep it, you can't help it. It will breed worms. It will spoil. God said, I want you to learn to trust me day by day. So once we get manna today, trust God that it will fall tomorrow. I hope you're getting my point. They passed through the wilderness. They didn't have luxury clothes. They didn't have luxury food. They didn't have many of those things. They just passed through the wilderness. But you know what? Wilderness was not their destiny. What was their destiny? The promised land. In the promised land, you had to build barns. Or you had to store food. You will have abundance enough for neighboring countries to come and collect. In the promised land, you don't have to have savings accounts. You have to save the money. 
Yeah, because you can't throw it away. I don't know whether you're getting my point. It's not as if I, you know, the way the world does, put 10% aside. Has anybody ever told Dangote, put 10% aside? You know all these poverty measures? People make it look like wisdom. These are things designed for poor people. You go and meet a teller and say, you put 10% aside. He said, for what now? He said, that the one I have has put itself aside. Because that is, I don't have to. Yeah, it's true. You know, sometimes I read some of the things that we glorify. I don't know that somebody said, how much have you saved this year? He said, I'm saved. That's all that matters. Leave that thing. And you should believe that also. Now, I see some of these retirement plans I'm looking like. You're not blessed. Yeah, 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 you're not blessed. You're absolutely not blessed. That is why you do some of You are not blessed. When God blesses you, you throw away some of these things. So to keep 10% aside. I said, from what? Which one? From the one that's not enough to eat? See, let me not start now. If I start, then you'll get angry too. I see some of the things he said. He said, put 10% aside. This boy has not gone to school. Like somebody said, oh, they met one woman one day. I think she, she, her house got flooded and stuff like that. So one woman advised her that um, she lost a lot of stuff. That she can take from her savings. And re- he said, no, no, the savings is for the rainy day. <laughs> Did you get the gist? So this one that happened now is not the rainy day. <laughs> no, you hear, you hear some of this and just shake your head and say, mm. See, just pray for God to bless you. No, just pray for God to bless you. That's what you need in this life. Although some of those things, don't, don't brood and dwell on them. They are poverty measures. Yeah, they are. They are. Sometimes, so, now, what I want to say, like, remember, gospel is foolishness, right? Gospel is what? Foolishness. I want to say it's very foolish. Sometimes, some of those things, when you follow them, you have told God, this is my level in life. I don't want anything better. Because it's fine. You, are, you will build up enough money in your retirement savings account. Then when you reach that time, that's all the money I'm going to give you. Yeah, it's faith. It's faith. So I say, that's all. That's all. Sometimes there are some things you just refuse to do. Why? You say, God, if I perish, let me perish. So if you don't do it now, when you retire, things, bad things will happen. You say, what's the worst that will happen? Nobody die. Yeah. There are times you just have to... Ah, oh, God helping us to get there. There are so many things that the world, the world is crazy. I hope you're getting my point. The, will, the world does not understand the wisdom of God. Because they don't know God, they reject his wisdom. Do you know many of the things that the world fights against is God's structural plan for preserving his people? Let me, okay, let me give you a simple example. The world tells you, you live only for yourself. Now, this may not apply so much in Africa, okay, but let's think about the Western world where we read their books and all of that. There's something they do. And it's a problem right now, you may know, in Europe. And it's even crept into North America. You see, all these visas they are throwing open. Yeah? All this, I hope you know the reason why. There are people are not having children. If they were having children normally, they ain't giving you... This one that they, you know why people go to Canada? Because Canada promises you citizenship after a while. Why are they promising? They don't have people. Their own people don't have children. Without immigration, their population is now dropping year by year. And that's how it is in the whole of Europe. Yeah. The population is dropping to a critical level. That is, there are not enough young people to take care of the old people. You think 
You think anybody loves you? Human beings are very wicked. They only love themselves. So this one is that what do we do? Import workforce. <laughs> okay, let me not go to this conspiracy theory level. Some people have said that they deliberately work against your economy so that you will have to travel. Because if you are too comfortable, they, they won't get anything. Where am I going? After they finish destroying the family structure, they destroy, they destroy proper marriage, destroy the idea of having children. After they finish destroying everything, they saw themselves stranded. You know, when we told them earlier, now, we now, those will be the scriptures, that the Bible says children are the heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is a reward. That, listen, it says, blessed to have a quiver full of them. I'm, look, to the glory of God, all right, I'm giving God all the glory. My mother would say she only collects her pension money. She worked for government for a long time until she retired. Only because it has to be collected. If it's needing it, she doesn't need it for anything. I'm sure I give her more personally, monthly, than she collects as pension. And I'm not the only one that gives her money. I have four other siblings. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that give her money. That is, yeah. But it is not then... Sometimes my wife wants to buy her clothes and material. I say, what am I? I'm not going anywhere. Please tell your wife not to bother. Pension scheme. She doesn't need it. Why? That's the structure of scripture. See all these motherless babies' homes? They are satanic. When I say satanic, I don't mean the operators are evil people. I mean it's a satanic system. What are we doing it for? If you find a baby on the street, it doesn't have... Come, Pastor Banky, please. Uh, you go take... It's that simple now. There's a family. You just collect to tell you how satanic the structure is now. Those who want to adopt now. Jesus, you don't want to see the trouble. Satan has taken over everything. Last week in Anambra State, one girl bumped became thrown into pit lottery. We oh, didn't read about it. And I wonder, this guy used to pit. The baby died yesterday, or day before, but didn't survive more than 24 hours after the rescue. I said, what's all of this? You don't have to do that. Now just call me, Pastor Banky, please. Oh. I said, come now, Mrs. B. No, go and read, your, read the story of Derek Prince. Derek Prince just is at home. They just knocked the door. I, I hear you take children. Yeah. He, he had them, is it eight? He had, he had 13 adoptive kid, kids. 13. Because his first wife, together they had eight. His second wife, five. So some of these things that the world puts together, I beg, they should get away. When they have rejected the wisdom of God, they now create confusion. Back to our main message. Let me close my message here. We'll continue next time. This is what I'm making. Yes, we endure hardship. Yes, because we're on the cutting edge. We're on the conflict zone. In the advancement of the kingdom of God, we have to be able to take the beating that goes with warfare. You talk to soldiers. There are times they wear their boots for weeks. They don't remove them. One of the problems soldiers have to deal with in war front is at least foot. Not enough time to remove your boots because any moment you may have to move. They survive on lean rations. But it makes me laugh. People say, is this country? What's going on in the country? The soldiers can't leave their duty post. Just go on the express. When you are traveling here in this rainy season, one day when it starts raining heavily, start driving. Any checkpoint you don't find was an illegal checkpoint. It, I've, you've, seen, you've seen the mobile policeman. 
You see the soldiers. They don't take over. That rain is pouring heavily. He has his gun mounted on that sandbar. He has it there. And you're like, Oga, see shade over there. He can't move. No, don't. I mean, just drive in the rain. Go and see them. If you send anyone of them, they don't enter, they don't go. Just for those ones. <laughs> now they send themselves. The ones that were properly posted. This is how mobile policemen, soldiers, this is how they will stand there as if nothing is happening. There have been times I want to, like, oh, God, can I get you an umbrella? Inside the rain, he, 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 guy standing over there, he's gone. the rain is, if he didn't come with the raincoat that day, sorry, that's why the mobile policemen, they often don't have. The soldiers, because they normally have, like, a camp around there. They can have their coats, the, uh, the, the plastic coats they use against rain. But the mobile policeman, he doesn't have. It's pouring rain. He stands there, peering through the raindrops, looking for troublemakers who wants to cause trouble. He can't leave that point. No one in Tech Christmas Mountain, the road is bad. I have to go to where there's, no, there's good road. You obviously are not on duty. You don't have a sense of responsibility. You don't have a sense of calling. You should join the army for three years. Let them train you. Go and join mobile police for 10 years. Let them put discipline into your soul. If this is the way we get into feats over little, little things, you know you have no sense of calling. You don't have. You absolutely do not have. The kind of things you complain about, you have no sense of assignment. That's why Paul wrote to Timothy. He said, endure, I like in James, endure hardness as a true soldier of Christ. We endure. But that's not the message for today, really. The message is that we have a promised land. We do. We do. Jesus said, I came to release that. Because all the problems they had, they came because of sin. It's not necessarily individual sin. Which was why he didn't argue when they say, who's sin that this one should be born blind? This one was born blind. Could not have sinned by himself. They didn't believe in you know, reincarnation, this uh, uh, Hindu or Buddhist thing. They didn't. So they knew that it could have been the sin of the parents. It could be a sin in society. There are things that happen, but sin is sin. But he said, for the glory of God to be manifested in him, I must walk the walk of him that sent me while it is day. And what am I saying? That work has been done. Yeah. I'll be getting my point. Listen, as a matter of fact, the curse of poverty was broken by Jesus Christ. He said, I came that they may have what? Life and have it how? Abundantly. Abundant life is our portion in Christ Jesus. Abundant health is your portion in Christ Jesus. Abundant prosperity is our portion in Christ Jesus. Is your portion in Christ Jesus. Abundant fruitfulness is your portion in Christ Jesus. Every curse that's holding you back from fruitfulness in Christ Jesus has been broken. As a matter of fact, so God said, back to that Psalm 144. What does he, what is this, a, a picture? Let's look at a picture of what it means to have that life in abundance manifested physically. He said, your sons in their youths will flourish like well nurtured plants. He said, your daughters will be like graceful pillars carved to beautify a palace. Your bounds will be filled with crops of every kind. Your flocks will multiply in the fields by the thousands, even tens of thousands. 
He said, your oxen will be loaded down with produce. I told you, see, there's a kind of saving that's 10% aside. You never can detect what tomorrow will be like. There's a kind of saving in which I've eaten 1%. And it was more than enough. I have given 10%. And there's no way to give it to again. Oh, you think giving is easy? Giving is hard work. Oh. I'm not saying that you are stingy, but you, don't, you can't just be throwing money around now. Just go to the street. What are you a 419 man? Just go to a bit of business, spray dollar. No, some people, that's the only thing. There's one guy those days, he used to stay somewhere in a Delta state close to the river on this side, one of those towns there. He was a thief. You know the guy? Yeah. <laughs> the guy used to go around every weekend looking for any Friday, he will go look for burial. Saturday, he will look for wedding. You don't know him. Once bride begins dancing, he don't bring out money. He begins spray bride. And bride is looking like, who be this guy? <laughs> so the bride is looking at the groom. Is he your uncle? And the groom is looking at the bride. And I know before. You know, just one day. Is he your relative? Is that your uncle? Is that the one you told us about that cooking comes from Kaduna? I said, no, that one didn't come. He said, who's this one spraying money? He doesn't care. He'll just spray the money, then go. He was a thief. That's not giving. Yeah. There, there many of them do it. They just remember that guy that was spraying money in one, one, one function and I'm They were shouting, Escobar. Remember the guy? The next day, they went and shot themselves. They're drug boys, drug dealers. So Christians don't give like that. We are not, so it, you can have so much money. That by the time you give 10%, all the churches give you deacon type two. You know, churches can give type two to give us. They'll look at you, deacon. And the chairman of the financial committee. But I'm not a member of your church. It doesn't matter. Your money is a member. <laughs> a lot is good. Now, so it happens. No, no, seriously. The other day. Sharing with my wife, you know, you hear the story that uh, Tony, investment in Transcorp, he and his wife, they made 31 billion naira from that this year alone. They paid Bill Gates one year dividends, 4 billion US dollars. Two years ago, Dangote collected 750, 770 actually, million dollars from Dangote Cement alone in one year in dividends. Brother Simon, one person. <laughs> All this is happening for our learning. You have to just increase your faith. Don't be there saying you are giving ten, you are keeping ten percent aside, telling yourself I will be poor. There's one musician that says something. I will get money till I die. I saw one music recently. I will be rich till I die. Yes, that is what you should be praying to God for. <laughs> I saw that line. I said, ah, this guy, he has more inspiration. <laughs> That's what you should be praying to God for. Don't be kindly without your stupid Adamic under a curse principle. God says, your sons, now this is a prayer again, your sons will flourish in their youth like well-nurtured plants. Amen. Your daughters will be like graceful pillars carved to beautify a palace. Amen. Your barns will be filled with crops of every kind. 
your investment will be filled with stocks of every kind. Amen. Your flocks in, your, in, the, in their fields will multiply by the thousands. Amen. Even tens of thousands. Amen. Your oxen will be loaded down with produce. Amen. There will be no enemy breaking through your walls. Amen. And you will not go into captivity. Amen. No cries of alarm will be heard in your town squares. He said, yes, joyful are those who live like this. That is abundant life. This is how you will live in the name of Jesus. Listen, I was saying something earlier. See, sometimes we deny ourselves of some of these things. When assignment demands. But people of God, what I want to do is to let us know that there is a promise of God like this. We endure affliction, we endure trying times. But in your life, you will experience this. Amen. Just start believing God for it. Listen, this is not about covetousness. I didn't write the Bible. I'm not the one that says that my flock will multiply by thousands and tens of thousands. Am I the one that said it? It was written before my great-grandfather. It was written in heaven before Abraham was born. Let's not talk about my earthly great-grandfather. What he called abundant life comes in three levels. All right? We're going to talk about that next time. Just watching my time. What it calls an abundant, uh, what it calls abundant life comes in how many levels? Three, Three levels. levels. There's a spiritual level. There is a level of the soul. And then there is a physical level. A lot of this just shows us what God can do physically. Or not what he can do, what he has done for us. And what we manifest in our lives. But there's a spiritual foundation. So it's called eternal life. I hope you get my point. Yes. Jesus said, I came that they might have life. Then that life now overflows into abundance. I hope you're getting my point. So we're going to look at it. Again, just a small review. Not today now. Next time. Of the spiritual life. And what I want to emphasize so much about that when we come back. I will seem to be repeating myself on things I've taught again and again, but it's important. I want to emphasize the fact that you are not under a curse. I've said it again and again. Be careful how you interpret your life. Things didn't work here, didn't work there. Now that because they have a curse of a near success syndrome. Do you know how many um, wells Isaac dug and there was contention? I mean, he will leave the place and go and dig again. Until God gave him rest. Don't let Satan interpret your life. Oh. You propose to the first person, she not agree. Second one, she didn't agree. Third, she didn't agree. He said, now come for deliverance. Deliverance from what? From marrying everybody. Do you, do you get my point? Yes, hey, what is deliverance? What do you need deliverance for? If you are persecuted in one city, what did Jesus say? Flee to the next babe. It's all of these ones. Yes, now. <laughs> if one sister is doing Ishakara, let's, I don't finish my message. May I just smile for the boys like this? <laughs> Just they look around like this as they, once another sister comes to greet her, follow down, go to go. <laughs> Chooks is shaking his head. Say, Pastor, is it like that? It's like that. <laughs> Don't worry, if that one is not the will of God, she too, she will do it, Shakara. Then you will come back again. But then they play you around like, like a ping pong. After a while, you will settle in the will of God. But what I'm just trying to say is that a disappointment does not mean you're under a curse. That's all I'm trying to say. A disappointment does not mean you're under a curse. Be careful how you interpret your life. 
You start one business, it fails. Abraham, uh, Isaac dug one well, it failed. Dig another one. I hope you're getting my point. What did I say? Don't ever let anybody come and lie to you. That you see, your great-grandfather was a wicked man. So the wickedness is still, is still disturbing you. Ask the fellow, do I look like him? You say, my great-grandfather, let him solve his problem by himself. Me? I've been blessed in Christ Jesus. I've been, wa- I've been warning everybody. If anybody asks you to go for deliverance, if you go, seven spirits more than the one you want to deliver yourself from, we follow you back home. Shame I'm telling you. Before, the only thing you're not getting our money. When you come back from deliverance, let me tell you what you won't have on top of that. You won't have peace. Now, this is not a threat. I'm not cursing you. I'm just giving you a warning. Before, you didn't have money, but you slept. After deliverance, you will not have money still. That's guaranteed. But now you won't sleep again. Because deliverance parameter says wake up at 2 a.m. every day. Before, you didn't have money, but you didn't have high blood pressure. After deliverance, back could it still. But this one now, Akoi, I high blood pressure. Before, you didn't have money, you had friends. But after deliverance now, all your friends have left you because you are now suspicious of everybody. When they come, as Angela, are you home? I am not home in Jesus' name. (laughs) (laughs) You are like, Angela, I'm not home. The human will not know when I am home. I cover myself with the blood of Jesus. That's it. The juice is spread around that this girl has gone waku. I hope you are getting my point. I hope, you see, at least you don't have money, you have friends, you sleep well. After deliverance, all of this will be taken away from you. You know why? Because God is angry with you. When he has delivered, you have rejected his own deliverance. Let's summarize it like this. Eternal life is the first level of abundant life. It's a spiritual blessing. You have been delivered from every curse. He said, when the deliverance come, when it did come, it came when you gave your life to Christ. If you haven't given your life to Christ, why don't you just do it now? That's what we are saying. No matter where you are, no matter where you are listening to us from, just to say, and it's not hard. Though. One man, I read his own story, Larry Lee. All it took was him to shout, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Is it three or four times? Bam. No, he said he read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They shouted Jesus three or four times, and he was transformed. And they called his friends. So, boy, I found deliverance. They said, where is it? He said, get a New Testament. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, they kneel down and shout, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. His friends got New Testament thanks to Gideon. They, <laughs> they read Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. They knelt down and shouted, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And they were getting literally delivered. Drug addiction was being broken. Nobody prayed for them. He called, because these guys were rock boys, not what I'm trying to say. They rock stars, stuff. They were hung on all kinds of things. They just read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You don't even need to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You have heard Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John now. Wherever you are, you should you to get on your knees and shout what? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And that's the ancestral curse being broken. Pardon me, let's give a lot of thanks for the breaking of ancestral curses. Say, Lord, I thank you. 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 I want you to thank God from the bottom of your heart because of the abundant life that Jesus came to give us. It's the grace of the Lord Jesus. 
Oh, say, Lord, I thank you. Because all the problems in my life have been broken. The curse has been broken. I've been set free. Like a bird trapped in a cage. It's been opened. I've, I've flown away. I've flown away. I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. Say, Lord, thank you. Say, Lord, I thank you. Say, Lord, I thank you. I thank you. 